Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a very happy Valentine's Day to you all. Uh, that sigh, just before anyone asked, that was not me uh, at the end of that little promo. We are going to celebrate St. Pa- Va- <laughs> Valentine's Day here with a Reinhold massacre in the sports world. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy it because we have picked out some great songs as well to celebrate. Not the kind of sloppy, kind of crying, the one that you kind of end up like after, you know, too many drinks or too many arguments. You kind of feel like, oh, I have to play it on the radio to make myself feel good. We're going to make you feel good. We're going to make you feel good with the very best news views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports because this is Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM and I am Alan Moore, your co-host for the very best of sports in the world right now. Yes, there's an awful lot going on, folks, because, uh, listen... It's now the battle for second place in the English Premier League because Jurgen Klopp has already conceded the title. I mean, he, he did a bit of a Donald Trump for a while. He went a bit off the rails, but then he just figured, oh, well, sure, you know, it's, it's Man City's to lose. It is Man City's one, done and dust. Remember that, folks. You heard it here first on Capital Sports, Moscow's Capital FM. We called the title a long, long time ago. So we are going to speak with Andrew Flint, our man and human. He is going to have a chat with us in just one moment about the Premier League and also the return of Russian football. Yes, imagine with all the snow we've had in the last few days. Next weekend, the Russian Cup starts the uh, spring spring part of the season. I am getting tongue-tied t- uh, today, folks. It is Valentine's for sure. Okay, in a second, of course, we're going to have Mr. Andy Mackey who's going to talk about European football because that is back again next week and we only have one Russian club in action. That's FC Krasnodar in the Europa League. Doesn't make a difference. We're going to back them all the way and, of course, we're going to talk about uh, what, what else to watch out for because Andy Mack has a knack of picking the best uh, results. In the third, Isil Cody, she's joined by just one of her Spice Boys. Yes, just half of the uh, duo will be there. In the third, they're going to be discussing the three very best women's sports stories in the world this week. Ones that really, really are going to make your, your eyes water. Uh, maybe not in a good way. Uh, then we're going to speak about Tom, of course, uh, Tom of the Brady family, who... Um, did exactly what we predicted last week. Folks, we really know. We're like oracles here. Trust me about that. We we know what we're talking about. We are the home of sport in the world. Um, and some outrageous boxing, of course, we're going to discuss it. Last night, it was two terrible fights. One where the guy who lost won, won. I mean, it wasn't even close. He won. And the other one where a guy was knocked out, should have been stopped, and the referee let him go on, simply because he was a home boxer. It was just a, absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible. As a, an ex-fighter myself, I, you know, I was wincing when I was watching. And then, of course, at 10 o'clock, we we're going to talk about the goat. No, not the one that goes, meh, like that. It's the one that goes, I am the greatest of all time. Okay, sports figure. You can message in plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three. We've already had a few messages in already. Um, people have seen the posts, of course, on Instagram, Capital underscore Moscow, and they're kind of like commenting, just you know, who they think are the, uh, is the best um, of all time, best athlete, sports person of all time. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is definitely in the mix. Um, and then we're going to go at uh, 10.20, we're going to go to beautiful Dublin, where it's actually quite nice weather at the moment, I, I believe, to Gray Merrigan, one half of the What's the Story podcast, the award-winning podcast. Of course, he's a journalist as well. And he's going to speak about 
Liverpool's collapse. Yeah, absolute catastrophe season. I spoke with the, or a catastrophe season. I spoke with the guys last, uh, what, two weeks ago about that. And, um, you're going to be very interested what you have to say and also about the English clubs in Europe this week. And then finally, we're going to end off with the big, fat, filthy quiz. But before we get on to big, fat, filthy people, uh, and this is not, of course, uh, in reference to Andrew Flint. Uh, Andrew, it is 4-2 to Arsenal right now over Leeds. So double N's going to be very, very happy. A hat-trick for Patrick Aubameyang. Um, Arsenal for the title? <laughs> well, it wouldn't be Arsenal without a mini collapse. They they went four um, 0 up and they conceded twice in the second half. Leeds are all or nothing. Um, I must say, it makes it entertaining watching, um, especially when they are conceding a lot of goals and losing. Um, but uh, yeah, four two. It is to Arsenal. They they desperately need something to pick them up. Um, I mean, this should take them, I think, to within a point of Leeds and in the table. Uh, I think for Arsenal fans, pretty much anything at this point for this season, um, they'll take it. Um, they need to focus on next season and prepare properly. But Aubameyang getting in the goals is good for them. Yeah, I mean, he is Leeds. Yeah, he's he's a great player. I mean, he's great to watch. And you're right, Leeds. I mean, I know people speak, you know, talk about them all like it's you know they're not like so consistent that but I think they're a great team to watch you know and, and I mean that's what sport and football is all about it's about going out and giving it your all and just getting stuck in and I, I really like what they're doing um, okay we're going to look back to yesterday right it, it was it was Saturday the 13th which was a bad omen for some there was no love being showed to Liverpool yesterday they got battered 3-1 by Leicester City Man City beat Spurs 3-0 uh, we're not going to ask we promised not to ask Eastfield Cody later on about that um, but I mean that's just like there's all the talk about you know Klopp should have been given off uh, time off because his mom had passed away and so on and our condolences to him on that um, but I mean this, this just goes to show that Liverpool really are are done dust aren't they they're, they're, I mean even next year it's going to be hard to come back from this yeah I mean uh, <laughs> yeah they, they in terms of the title absolutely 100% um, done and dusted I think they will struggle to hold on to a top four spot at this rate um, I have an unbelievable amount of sympathy for for Jurgen Klopp um, with the passing of his mother I mean that's that's something that I to my knowledge at least was kept relatively under wraps um, uh, until after the game itself um, the reaction he gave um, of course it's going to be attributed to that and I'm, I'm not for a second trying to brush over that although what I would say to qualify it on the other side is that Liverpool have for quite some time been showing cracks and and the pressure does seem to be getting to them. Um, it's not something you would have thought, looking at the the machine that Liverpool were, uh, and still could be, again, um, but about a year ago, you, you would never have dreamt that Liverpool would have mentality problems. Um, but I do think they are genuinely cracking. They're not able to keep it up. Um, it'll be, a, like you say, a real challenge for next season. I mean, there's no point trying to pretend they won't be contenders for the title. They will be, um, because they just have an unbelievable amount of quality. But um, getting over this season will be tough. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like he might have to do a complete clear of the club as well. I mean, we, we, we spoke before of Mo Salah being unhappy. Sadio Mane also now this past week making hints that he might not um, want to stay at Liverpool next year. Uh, I mean... There have been so many excuses being made about them. I mean, okay, let's let's move away from Liverpool, but it does really, really look like um, 
it's it, it's going to be quite baffling because I mean you, you look at some of the, the the players that are looking to move from Liverpool and they'll be an awful weaker next season. Look, I'm going to um, move straight on, of course, to the games that were on today. Uh, one close to your heart that probably uh, didn't do your heart very much. Uh, good was West Bromwich Albion 1-1 now it was a decent fight back from United uh, Manchester United of course they drew 1-1 people talking about Manchester United's defence not being up to it but um, when I saw that goal going in from the header um, you know I mean I looked at Lindelof and I thought what the hell are you doing like why has he been out muscle in the air but it looked very very bad for United that they were very shaky at the back well, I mean, I've I've been saying this for for quite some time. Um, Harry Maguire seems to think he's Franz Beckenbauer, and that is part of the problem. West Brom quite quite probably should have gone um, two one up at one point. He was well, basically, he thought he could dally on the ball. He was robbed of possession, um, but fortunately, the, the the shot didn't go in. Um, I'm not sure Lindelof and, and and Maguire really understand what their roles are as a partnership. Because, I mean, like I mentioned, Maguire likes, loves to spend time on the ball, but far too long. He's so slow to distribute the ball. That can't fit into any genuine, meaningful plan. Because if you give the opposition time to set, it, you can't really have much of an effect if he brings the ball forward. They're already ready for you. Um, there needs to be a... Well, there needs to be a monster at the back. Uh, you know, a, a, a hard pass, basically. A bit of a Nemanja Vidic to really put the fear of God into opposition strikers. And right now... You're an opposition team on form. You know you can put United under pressure and you've got a chance, at the very least. Um, massive two drop points there. Um, yeah. I'm not happy at all. Though. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, now, I mean, with Leicester's win, of course, yesterday, they've now moved level on 46 points with Man United. Of course, Man City, top of the table, already crowned champions. They uh, have a game in hand on 53 points. Um, Liverpool, of course, dropping back with that last there, now in fourth place on 40 points. Um, Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea sitting with, you know, just, just ahead of West Ham uh, on goal difference alone. Um, they're both on 39 points. Uh, but listen, let, let's, let's be honest about it. Uh, Chelsea are so inconsistent, even though they had the new boss in, Tuchel and so on. But they don't really, honestly now, let's be straight about it, they don't look like they're going to be able to you know, manage to get past Liverpool, or can they? I think it would be it would be surprising, but I do think that they um, they have you know a, a new manager bounce is is a psychological thing that that period has passed. Now we see how much of an effect he can have in the short term, and I do think they should be challenging for the top four. But it's 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 very like you say it's very hard to to tell. I mean, with Tuchel, the sort of the sort of style he likes to play, it requires all the players, well, like a lot of managers, that to really buy into it, it doesn't work unless everybody is putting in the effort. So whether they will buy into it or not remains to be seen. Um, I'm most, most curious to see how he'll get, or if he will get the best out of Timo Werner, because I would, I would argue of their signings, he's been arguably the, the most disappointing when you compare the promise he had, and he is obviously a quality player, he just needs to find the right system and the right frame of mind, perhaps. Um, if Tuchel can get the best out of Werner, perhaps they could have a shot at the top four, but I'd probably say it would be a long shot for them at this oh, stage. OK, now the teams that I... I like we, we, we spoke about them earlier on in the season with James Corbett, um, and 
I did like what they were doing under Ancelotti. That, of course, is Everton Airplane tonight at 10 o'clock. We'll be covering the first half of that game live here on Capital Sports, Moscow's Capital FM. They're playing Fulham today. So, you know, they're playing at home against Fulham. It, it, you know, it, it should really be a win. It should be putting Fulham right in their place. Uh, Everton with only 21 games pay, played, but they're on 37 points. A win tonight would lift them unbelievably into fifth place up ahead of West Ham and Chelsea. Could Everton be the one that are going to push Liverpool out of the top four, Andrew? Well, I think they probably have uh, probably have the best chance, and um, simply because, like you say, they have been playing um, some <laughs> adventurous stuff. What was it? Nine goals in their their cup game last weekend, whatever it was. Um, I mean, they have an unbelievable number of players they could call upon. I mean, Bernard is practically passed out of all acknowledgement um, at Goodison Park this season he got the fifth I think it was um, Everton look a much more solid side under Ancelotti and like you say Fulham should be a, uh, should be one of the easiest games they'll have all season although you know this this coronavirus pandemic football everything is turned on its head so who knows perhaps Fulham will pull out the performance of a lifetime Everton over the course of the season I think will be certainly challenging Liverpool and for obvious reasons will have the motivation to um, to stick the knife in if they can. And they have the games in hand as well. So um, they have that advantage too. That's it. That's it. They have three games in hand over Liverpool. So, I mean, it, it could be a case that very, very quickly they'll be like, you know, if they win all their games in hand... They're going to be level with you guys as well on 46 points. But anyway, um, we're going to move away from English football for the moment because we have a question uh, in for Andrew Flint. You can send your questions in or comments plus... 795-1111053 on all of our networks, including WhatsApp and... Uh, or WhatsApp, yeah, WhatsApp, I said that correctly. Telegram as well and the SMS. Uh, on SMS as well. So, um, question is this. This is from Murat. Uh, Murat says, who do you think is the best Russian player? Golovin, who, like, drags Monaco along with him. Or is it Moranchuk who scores goals? Or Juba? Or who else? Who do you reckon? Of those three or somebody else you think is the best Russian footballer? I think Alexander Golovin is the most talented. Um, I absolutely love his style on the ball. He's always looking forward. He's, he never wastes a pass. And I think if you took one of those three players out of the Russian national team, you'd probably... It's between him and Zuba, I would say. Talent, Golovin, um, hands down for me. Um, Milanchuk is he's a wonderful player as well. And I think he's rising to the challenge at Atalanta. He won their player of the month last month. Um, and that's no mean feat when he's relatively new to the league. Zuba can be replaced more easily than Golovin. So for that reason, I would say, yeah, I would say, I would say Golovin is the, is the best player for the Russian national team at the moment. Okay, all right, that is very, very good. Okay, now listen, we have, of course, the as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, very quickly we'll look at it now. Uh, the Russian Cup is back next week, and there's a whole series of games. Uh, this is in the uh, the last 16. So Zenithan Arsenal Saturday, Dinamo Spartak on Saturday mm. at 7.30. Then Siskar plays Skahabarovsk on Sunday at 2.30. And a little bit later at 5 o'clock, local play Tambov. Okay, Dinamo Spartak. Uh, Spartak won in the training camp this week. Uh, they beat Riga, I believe it was, FC Riga. Um, so they're, they're in decent form, playing against fairly poor teams. They won 4-0. Uh, do you think it'll be this could be the, the spark that ignites them into the second half of the season or will it be just another kind of like a dead firework? 
I think it's a cracking fixture to to restart the Russian part of the season, the spring season. Um, this is the historic derby in in Russian football, and and Dynamo have they've got some revenge, I think, to to get on Spartak because it was exactly a year ago. It was this fixture, but in the league that started the spring season when. Dominico Tedesco pulled out one of his first games, and possibly it was even his first game, I, I failed to remember exactly, and a brilliant 2-0 win at the Vitebir Arena. So I, I think there's there's plenty of motivation there. Um, how much... It's always hard to tell, really, how prepared these teams are. Like you say, a 4-0 win in a training camp sounds good on paper, but the opposition is very, very rarely yeah. um, up to scratch. So... Um, I think it's I think it's a, a huge game. I think it's a got serious um, consequences because if Spartak fail to beat Dynamo, then they really have a huge amount of pressure to catch the needs of the league. So I think they they need this. Okay, uh, very very quickly, uh, Siska should be beating Scar from Habarov, shouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, that should be relatively straightforward. Um, um, I mean, gone and sort of the knockout knockout stages the first year being away from home so it should be fine yeah and uh, Loco against Tambov Tambov of course rock bottom of the table with very very few players with huge debts um, that's, yeah. that's a local win as well isn't it yeah absolutely no no way of telling what the Tambov lineup will be a lot of RPL clubs are apparently loaning players to them but we yet to see many confirmed uh, Loco shouldn't have too much trouble there Okay, listen, Andrew Flint, thank you very much for that. Andrew, of course, will be back with us in the, at 10 o'clock discussing who is the greatest of all time. Folks, we're going to the break with our first love song of this evening. This is something that I think we, we I can definitely say about my other half. Uh, it is from Smash Mouth, and it is I Can't Get Enough of You, Baby. Back after this with Andy Mack. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
So I hope you enjoyed uh, that little brief interlude with Smash Mouth and Can't Get Enough of Your Baby. Uh, right, I guess a lot of us would be saying that, well, a lot of us said that today and all through our lives that we can't get enough of our other half. Um, and it's the second half between Arsenal and Leeds United. There is a minute uh, added on time to be played. Arsenal leading 4-2. Of course, a little bit later on this evening at 10 o'clock, a bit in just under 40 minutes time, Everton will be taking on Fulham at home in Gulson Park. So that is going to be an interesting one. If they win, of course, they will be jumping up into fifth place into the Champions League spot. So well done them. If they can do it, let's see. Actually, there's two minutes out of on time, I've just been told. Um, so again, uh, folks, we are voting, of course, on the greatest of all time, the GOAT, not the meh kind, but the GOAT kind. Um, so that is coming up at 10 o'clock. So send in your uh, your ideas on plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three, And of course, you can message it to at, um, at capital F underscore Moscow on Instagram as well. Okay, folks, we are going to go straight away to Andy Mack. Andy, a very happy St. Valentine's Day to you. How are you doing? Happy Valentine's Day. I'm good. How are you? Very good indeed. Um, I'm not going to mention rugby. I'm going to move straight on because we're both suffering today. Uh, It's been a bad, bad weekend. I'm going to move straight in to European football. Now, of course, Scotland does have interest in it this year. Uh, For a change, I'm not going to discuss that with you. Um, It's kicking off on Tuesday. And a big one that a lot of people are looking at, of course, is Barcelona PSG. That is on Tuesday evening at 11 o'clock. All games are on 11 o'clock, of course, this week. Um, Red Bull Leipzig against Liverpool. Sevilla Dortmund. Uh, that's on Wednesday. Also on Wednesday, Porto and Juve. Okay, that's the first four matches. Andy, I mean, it's an interesting one. that The Barcelona PSG is getting a lot of notice because we're kind of seeing, um, it looks like Neymar won't be there because he's gone off to, for his sister's birthday or what have you to get waxed, to get a Brazilian done. Um, and Messi is kind of, you know, doing his best to get out of there in the summer. Uh, is that the most interesting game this week? This week, um, I think it's got to be close. This, I think just the fact that the last two times uh, these clubs have met in Europe, we had uh, people will remember PSG falling apart um, 6-1 away from home and winning 4-0 at home. It was um, probably one of the most bizarre two games to follow back-to-back. Um, going really um, difficult to predict at the moment, Barcelona have improved in the league, but I think the amount of points that they are behind Atletico Madrid and PSG sort of flailing and flapping about in in France as well, neither of them seem to be sort of peak at the moment. So going into this, I think that does probably make it the most interesting game. Um, Okay, what do you reckon? Like, will it be a goal fest or will it be kind of one of those very, very cagey affairs? Because they're both fairly decent teams, but you've got Koeman who's in there who, you know, wants to, you know, this is is his last chance for really, you know, saving his job because he could be gone by the summer. Um, What do you reckon? Do you think there will be goals or it's going to be a very, very tight cagey affair? Uh, I think there probably will be goals simply for the fact the the amount of players that are out definitely for PSG. I, I think they have to they have to have a go at it. Um, they'll leave themselves vulnerable, uh, and they haven't been particularly good at the back anyway in recent recent weeks away from home. They conceded three to Lorient, um, conceded 
uh, quite a few against someone else as well. I can't even remember who it is off the top of my head. Um, I can't remember. But yeah, I, I think for that fact alone, I think they have to they'll, they'll have to go and have a, a go go for it in Camp Nou, and that could potentially leave the likes of Messi if if they if they decide to turn up. Um, it certainly could be a, a, a real goal fest and some good football to watch as well. Even though Ronald Koeman has turned them slightly negative at times this season. Okay, um, looking at the Red Bull Leipzig and Liverpool, I'm not going to call them Rassenball Sports Club and all sort of nonsense because we know who they are and what they do. So Red Bull Leipzig at home, or it's actually it's not at home by the way, it's in uh, Hungary, um, in lovely, beautiful Budapest against Liverpool. Liverpool, you know, in kind of a, the, the, you know, in, not in free fall, but this could be the last big chance for Klopp to win a trophy this season, isn't it? It's definitely looking that way, isn't it? Um, it, against Leicester, it went from a moment of magic with Bobby Firmino um, flicking the ball to Sarr. It looked oh so easy. And then <laughs> within minutes, I mean, first the sort of fluky Madison goal and then Allison going AWOL for the second. I mean, Liverpool in, in, in really, I have no idea what happened to them uh, to that game. Uh, and Red Bull Leipzig starting to find their feet a little bit and in a bit of form and you just have to look at the uh, the injury list at the moment for Liverpool and you start you actually start to feel a little bit sorry almost for Jurgen Klopp now I mean uh, Milner now confirmed injured as well um, so lacking um, centre backs um, and I thought Henderson has been has been pretty poor the last couple of weeks um, but they really don't have anybody else and I think Leipzig going the way they are I mean their, their home form, I know they're not actually playing at home, but their home form recently has been uh, pretty much impeccable um, since they slipped up against Dortmund. So a really dangerous game um, for Liverpool. If they get a hammering, um, it, I, I think their season could well just implode over the next couple of weeks. But we'll see. A big win, and you never know, they might be turning their fortunes around again in the Premier League too. Oh, unlikely. Unlikely. unlikely, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think you know if if they if they can try and grab second place, that'd be good. But it's uh, very, of course in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich they are just four points, but a game in hand um, over uh, four points ahead in the game in hand over Red Bull Leipzig, Eintracht Frankfurt, my team. They are doing quite well this season. Uh, they are bowling up the table, uh, chasing them down, of course. Then Wolfsburg, they are in fourth place. So, um, okay, the other games, of course, are on Wednesday. So, two matches on Wednesday. You've got Sevilla, Dortmund, and Porto, and Juventus. Now, Dortmund, you know, they, 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 they've, they've not been having a great time in the German league, lost three of the last uh, five with one win and one draw. But at the same time, I mean, they, they're a decent side. Um, and in one sense have more pedigree in Champions League than Sevilla, but you still look at the Spanish to win that one, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if you're looking at it from that perspective, you just have to look at Sevilla's home form over the last few weeks um, and been incredible. I think that they're uh, about eight games now winning on the, on the spin. Uh, and as you mentioned, Dortmund having a very weird season uh, at the moment. They've lost their last three away They've been scoring, but they just can't seem to keep a clean sheet for love nor money. Uh, and against a team like Sevilla, I, I think Sevilla could actually end up battering them um, if they're not careful. But yeah, Dortmund have looked very out of sorts and again, struggled badly against Hoffenheim this weekend. So an interesting one. Dortmund may well start turning their focus to make sure that they actually finish top four in the Bundesliga. So 
from that re- from that regard, I think they'll just be looking for a little bit of a confidence boost. But I can't see I can't see anything but a severe win there. Okay, uh, Porto and Juve. I mean, Porto have pedigree. Juve not having it all their way this season in the Serie A in Serie A, but you'd still fancy them to at least nick something out um, out on the Atlantic. Yeah, definitely. Um, over the weekend, even the uh, the Caltropoli refs went up went up for helping them against Napoli with the penalty. Uh, lost one nil. Um, and a well but, taken I mean, penalty that, that as well. I mean, it was blasting into the top corner as well. It was a great penalty. Um, but I mean, yeah, uh, Paul Porto have, have, have seen seem to have lost the plot a little bit in recent weeks. They've uh, not won a game in not won not lost a game either in, in, in their last four uh, four draws. Two of those were actually against Braga, but um, struggling. Um, yeah, I, if, if, if you go for the head-to-head record between these teams, there's been three Juventus wins and a draw. Um, so you, you'd have that edge, I think, towards Juve. And, and out, out over even money as well, I think that's a good bet. Oh, that's, that's good. Listen, we've got a question before we move on to the Europa League. Um, Anna um, wrote in, well, she, she says that the greatest of all time is Lionel Messi, but she also has a question for you uh, saying that, okay, Bayern won everything this year. Uh, of course, they won the uh, the World Club Cup or World Club Championship there the, uh, this past, well, this, this past week in Qatar. Um, are they the best in football history or can they be compared with Barcelona under Pep Guardiola? No, I don't think so. Um, certainly, they, they they were absolutely fantastic to watch, but simply under the circumstances that the last season has been played under, um, I'm not sure we could really classify it as it being the the best ever. Um, certainly, the, the lack of fans in grounds. Uh, I think also the fact that the Bundesliga came back before all the other leagues gave them a little bit of an advantage. Um, and... Well, you know, although, yes, they, they literally swept up every single trophy going. Um, I, I think the way that they started this season as well, I mean, they, 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 they looked out of sorts. And I don't think Guardiola's uh, Barcelona ever sort of had a, a sort of chink or weakness where perhaps opposition teams could come and, and get a sniff of a, a little bit of tension or worry. Um, so for that regard, I don't think that they come close to being the best ever. But I mean, an, an absolutely incredible achievement yeah an absolute machine okay uh, okay in on Thursday uh, at 9 o'clock Moscow time Man United are away in Sociedad uh, same time Spurs are away against Wolfsburg that's of course the Austrian team and he has uh, sort of nightmares about them on the same day of course Leicester City are away against Slavia Prague you have nightmares about Prague as well um, and as we move along we looked at a few there's a, quite a bit of interest of course then at 11 o'clock then Arsenal are away against Benfica and Rangers are away against Antwerp so um, let's start very very quickly Man United will they use this as a bit of a break kind of a bit of like to draw their breath and to give Sociedad a hiding <laughs> well I think it'll be a good little time to have a rethink coming back in uh, they were a little bit unlucky today I thought against West Brom um, but they seem to be they're, they're, they're their own worst enemy at the back it's mistakes like that and I thought West Brom had other chances as well um, there was one where West Brom's striker managed to get away and you sort of wondered why he didn't make a, more of an effort to get up to uh, to try and beat the goalkeeper to it as it bounced up in the air um, it was very strange watching so I think this might be a nice little break from the league for United um, 
And again, Sociedad, Sociedad have lost a few of their, their players now. Um, so good chance for Manchester United to register a win, I think. Yeah, and of course, it's not even in Spain. It's in Italy. It's, so in, yeah, it's, it's in Torino. It's in Juve Stadium. It just makes no sense whatsoever. Okay, Spurs, Spurs need a bit of a boost, don't they? Because, um, and they, they, they should get a win against Wolfsburg. You would hope so. Um, certainly when Wolfsburger played against CSKA in, in, in their groups, group state, I, I wasn't massively impressed by them. I thought CSKA should have, uh, should have handled those games much better. Um, and therefore, Spurs, be interesting to see whether they now start playing a, a, a stronger 11 um, as they have massively rotated uh, in the group stage. Will Mourinho start taking it more seriously now that their form has dipped? Um, we could see the likes of Kane and Son, but I'm not sure. Maybe he'll he'll save them for the league. But um, yeah, I think that should be a cosy win for Spurs, even if they play their reserve eleven. Okay, now Leicester, of course, are on a bit of a high after giving a hiding to Liverpool. They are in Eden. Yeah, that's the Eden Stadium in Prague. Um, but I want to have a... Well, before we move on to Krasnodar, Arsenal are playing Benfica, as you mentioned already, but that is in Italy as well. So, um, interesting one. They're playing in Rome in the Stadio Olimpico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, um, very strange, isn't it, going into these, these first legs where home advantage now, um, <laughs> counted, counted much less with no fans. But now when you're, when your home legs in another country entirely, it's, um, starting to get a bit farcical. Uh, good win today for Arsenal. Um, so difficult to judge, uh, or call them at the moment. And Benfica have been I- I- exactly the same that they've gone from being amazing one week to, Slipping up against t- terrible teams in, in in Portugal, so very difficult game to, to gauge from a betting perspective. I, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. Uh, but Benfica, for me, I think will probably have to try and focus on the league. Uh, they've slipped down into into fourth now. So perhaps an Arsenal win depends how how seriously both both sides take it. Okay, um, and it is look. It's a very very interesting one because, of course, Braga are playing uh, against Roma. Braga, of course, being from Portugal, and they're playing at home in Portugal. So it just there's a lot of things just don't bloody well make sense with all this. Um, okay, I know you're going to say that Rangers are going to give Antwerp a real beating in Belgium uh, on and off the field, most likely. Um, but we're going to have a look at Krasnodar at home against Dinamo Zagreb. Oddly, they're going to be playing in the Krasnodar Stadium. Um, Dinamo, we saw them. They, they're, they're a decent team. They have, you know, um, they have a, a decent side. Of course, Dinamo, or sorry, Dinamo Zagreb have lost um, only three, or sorry, two of their last 17 matches in the Europa League. Uh, they've won 11. Um, although they were knocked out both times in the knockout stage. Um, but what you reckon? I mean, Andy. I mean, are Dinamo good enough to get past uh, Krasnodar, or do you think that you know that Krasnodar just have that little bit extra? Uh, very difficult to judge with with this obviously being Russian team's first game back. Um, Dinamo Zagreb now will we'll be on a little bit of a high, having beaten. Uh, I will get the pronunciation of this side incorrect. Osijek. Correct. Um, Osijek. Go, well done. To go top of top of the league, they, they beat them one nil um, just the other day. So uh, that's now put them three points clear. So a real confidence booster for them going into this round of fixtures. Krasnodar, I mean, yeah, they've been playing the likes of Shakhtar, Soligorsk and Riga, and all yeah, uh, friendly games that are absolutely meaningless. Um, so for that alone, it's, it's as we were saying, it's just so difficult to judge now. Whether I think the big question that managers have. 
if they're doing well domestically in, in, in their own, in their own leagues, respective leagues, do they risk putting their players on flights? Do they risk taking them to other countries? Do they risk, you know, with all of the COVID regulations, do, do you want to, you know, a sort of Newcastle scenario where you've got injuries and then a bunch of people that need to be quarantined for two weeks? And it's, it's, it's such a gamble if, if you, if you don't think you're really going to have a chance of winning these tournaments. For me, clubs like, uh, Zagreb, etc. I'm not sure I'd risk it. So, for that sense alone, I think home advantage in these in these knockout ties when they are actually playing at home uh, um, are probably uh, probably going to see more more wins than normal. I think uh, okay. for this this round. Okay, so you wouldn't risk it for a biscuit. That is fair enough. Andy Mack, thank you very much. We'll speak with you a little bit later on in the show, folks. We're going to go out asking the question. This Valentine's Day is very, very important. Would you catch a grenade for your loved one? This is Bruno Mars and Grenade. Back after this with Eastolt and half of her Spice Boys. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Easy come, easy go. That's just how you live. Oh, take, take, take it all, but you never give. Should have known you was trouble from the first kiss. Had your eyes wide open. Why were they open? Gave you all I had and you tossed it in the trash You tossed it in the trash, you did To give me all your love is all I ever ask Cause what you don't understand is I catch a grenade
Okay, folks, it is a question for the ages. Would you catch a grenade or take a bullet to the brain for your other half? Hmm, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. Uh, my opinion, if you're dating someone who people are trying to shoot or throw grenades at, uh, I think you kind of need to have a look around for another relationship. That's just my opinion. Um, I'm Alan Moore, Moscow's Capital FM, Capital Sports. Uh, Isol, would you, like, if people are looking to shoot Brian in the head, would you be standing in front of the bullet? Look, he's from Cork, not Limerick, and <laughs> that's all we need to consider at this point. <laughs> all right. A question, if, if one of them, if someone went to shoot at one of your little doggies, would you step in the way of the bullet? I would throw either the other dog, depending <laughs> on which was Josh or Brian, who would selflessly die for the dogs. I hope he's not listening to this, I really do. Okay, look, it's full-time Arsenal 4-2 winning over Leeds, uh, so that is quite decent for Arsenal. It is getting them at least a bit of uh, hope, as we mentioned already, they're playing midweek against Benfica, but not Benfica, they're playing in Rome. Okay, Isult, you have the airways for the moment while we're waiting for your uh, one of your Spice Boys to join us, so away you go, your three top stories. So, I am going to start at the top with the Football Club World Cup, at which we got to see women's sports set back a few decades, because this week there was the fist bump flop. Basically, one of the Qatari royal family, the brother of the ruler, younger brother of the ruler, when greeting the Bayern um, champions and giving them their medals, he refused to acknowledge the female uh, referees, there were two involved two female officials who were instructed to walk by him now I can appreciate he um, subsequently it came out that this was due to um, religious reasons um, where you basically in the Islam culture to do with not touching a person of the opposite gender in these circumstances but I don't understand why FIFA knowing this was going to be an issue did not suggest that perhaps a sheikah be present who would be able to, so a female sheikh equivalent, uh, his wife perhaps, or if he doesn't have a wife, a sister, who could greet the female officials and that way get rid of this absolute farce that has been doing the rounds on the internet. And moving from one female disaster to another, Yoshiro Mori was the former uh, Tokyo 2020 Olympic chief. However, it has come out that he made comments recently about his time as the chairperson of the Japanese Rugby Federation when in meetings he found women were too talkative because they were too competitive. So basically, in summary, he described it, and obviously this has been translated, that everyone needs to know their place. So ideally, he basically wanted the women to speak less. Obviously, this has led to his resignation this week, and we're still waiting to hear who the replacement will be, as obviously they're taking a good look at the selection process. But one of the front runners is actually a former Olympian, which would be incredible, female Olympian, the Olympic minister, Siko Hashimoto, who is 56 and 
obviously has a strong history in bringing female sports to the fore in Japan. Final story, moving swiftly to Naomi Osaka, who came out and criticised, obviously, his comments. She's one of probably Japan's most globally recognised um, athletes in the sphere of tennis. And she today has made it into the quarterfinal of the Australian Open with Williams also, Serena, obviously, being the other quarterfinalist. So we're setting up for some really good games in that competition. And I think for the next week, if you're not doing anything else, you would certainly want to be looking at what's happening in Australia because there are some brilliant matchups. Okay, that is uh, interesting. And actually, watching some of the, well, watching some of the highlights, some of the matches, it is actually quite interesting because looking at Serena, uh, she said she was wearing a one-legged, um, like, skin-tight outfit uh, <laughs> in memory of Florence Griffith Joyner. And I'm thinking that is either tone deaf or it's a middle finger to the world. Unbelievable. Um, I, to be fair, I tend to blank out the bits that Serena talks about because I have difficulty with believing anything that comes out of her mouth. Um, however, Naomi Osaka, I obviously have very strong feelings about her in a positive light. She was wearing some interesting outfits too, but they all colour coordinated. And she actually came back from a set down and she nearly lost the second set. So she, it was very competitive for the number three seed to be having such difficulty. It's a, it's interesting to see how players may have been affected by that time in quarantine. And I think this week we'll get to see the best of the best players. OK, that is good to hear. And uh, finally, we're joined by one of your Spice Boys, Hiesel. Um Alex B., uh, you were right. Tom Brady led the Buccaneers to an absolute trashing, trashing of uh, Peter P's beloved Kansas City Chiefs. That, I, 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 mean, I got up early to watch that match uh, before we did the work. And it was very, very good. I mean, I think Kansas City fell apart, but the Buccaneers just seemed to kick the living daylights out of them. I mean, do you feel proud of yourself? Uh, yes, in some ways I did. I was really hoping for an early retirement speech there because that was the second mm. stipulation. But yeah, no, it was, it was a big game. I did catch some of it. I got kind of bored. I wasn't really watching the whole game. <laughs> but yeah, the Chiefs, the Chiefs were the Chiefs disappointed a lot of people with yeah. Peter P being at the very top of that list. Yeah, I mean, that, like, I mean, Peter P isn't joining us today because he is severely depressed after that. Like, he got an absolute hiding. He was very, very confident, very cocky in himself, and then of course, you know, it just didn't turn out the way he wished. Um, in saying that, though, I mean, there was like this week has been overshadowed by the absolute mess uh, of the. Uh, if I, if you guys have seen that about this this woman complaining about Tom Brady's tossing things around. Her, well, it's her great, great, great grandfather or whatever. Like, it kind of seems like they've just managed to drag her out of some sort of. Actually, I'm not going to finish that sentence, but really, like, I'm sure worse things. There was a brilliant Irish tweet which went up from an Irish journalist saying worse things have happened to a lot of trophies in Ireland after they've been won. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I can I can definitely say one that when we won a uh, club of the year back in was what nineteen ninety nine uh, in Maynooth University for the boxing club won club of the year because we were you know, undefeated in Ireland and we you know, great we were going great guns and we of course had the first women's fights in Ireland as well so amateur fights and things were going very very good. Uh, sorry, it was ninety seven or ninety eight, excuse me. And um, the amazing thing was then the, the the big massive trophy sitting on the table and this guy just walks by. 
and knocks it and smashes the trophy. Like, after, like it was just unbelievable. It's like, how can you break it? Anyway, um, yeah, of course, it was the Lombardi Trophy, of course, that uh, Tom Brady threw it from one boat to another. And a lot of people thought that it was great during the parade because he had a parade, of course, on the waterfront in Tampa. However, Lorraine Gros, or Gross, or Gros, she uh, basically said that uh, her gran- great-great-grandfather, um, he, well, actually, no, sorry, her, her father used to have to, like, chisel the wood, worked on it, and she thought it was very, very bad. It was very badly done. But, you know, to each her own. But, uh, yeah, so if you take a look at that, like Tom Brady throwing the trophy. Listen, quickly before we move on to boxing, um, Alex, do you still think that Tom Brady's going to retire? No, nah, not anymore. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> no, but there, there, is, there, is, there is some news that I've been uh, trying to tell you guys, but that's um, Tom Brady also got accused of racism for winning that during Black History Month. Oh, God. Also that. <laughs> yeah, my God. Yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Are you one of the voices accusing him, or, or, uh, or do you think we should spare him? I Listen, he's Irish. I, I'll spare him. I'll spare him. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> how dare he beat Patrick Mahomes during Black? I don't know. But listen, you did. You said that Mahomes would go all the way. That like you, you did see he was going to win it. But then when it came down to the crunch, you did look at the the, the whole intelligence of it and picked, of course, Tom and his boys from Tampa Bay. Okay, um, Eastolt, come back to you for a moment because uh, there was boxing last night. There were big fights on in England, and two of them were very, very controversial. One of them, uh, Josh Warrington, uh, the English home fighter, like one of the, the top featherweight fighters, that's of course two nine stone or 57 kilos, if you wish, um, was severely, severely knocked down uh, early on the fight and then he endured another 13 minutes of absolute punishment. Um, tell us a little bit about it and should the referee have stepped in earlier? So, um, I'll just start by giving you a lowdown of what's been reported today as his injuries. He suffered a fractured jaw, perforated eardrum and a very severe shoulder injury which he described in the corner uh, to his father after the fourth round. Just to note, his father is also his coach, which I think adds another dimension to this. The referee, um, after the fourth round, Warrington got up from a knockdown. He was not in a fit state as far as I could see to continue. He was wobbling, shaking on his feet, and Howard Foster, a referee who is best known in boxing, perhaps, for some early stoppages he's had in fights, including George Groves and Frotch one, when he moved in very quickly to stop the fight. Instead, not only did he let this fight continue, but from watching it, it looked as if he almost assisted Josh Warrington back to his corner. Warrington then continued to take several rounds of punishment before being knocked down in the ninth. He wasn't right. He was saying to his corner, he wasn't right. His shoulder was in a bad way. And I think in these circumstances, if he hadn't been the champion prior to this, um, he obviously relinquished his belt. I don't think Howard Foster would have allowed it to continue. I don't think he should have. Because even if your corner is too brave for you, it is not on for the referee to let you take that risk. That's true. The referee's there to, yeah, the referee is there to save the fighter. Sometimes referees jump in too early, but you know what? Um, I've, I've, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, Not other- to take from the fighter, though. He was, he was exceptional, Lara. Yeah. He actually, he did celebrate at the end. He actually sent his cornerman 
to check on Warrington. Yeah, I mean, no, no, he, I mean, he was a massive underdog for us as well. Um, quickly, the other fight, of course, Kiko Martinez, um, uh, kind of still only a young man, only 34 years of age, uh, in another fight, he was absolutely robbed. And it's very important to point out that even the promoter, Eddie Hearn, at the end, who was Matchroom's promoter, pointed out that this was a disgrace and it's bad for boxing because if you give such unfair scorecards by three British judges, like short of them leaving wearing balaclavas, they couldn't have made it more obvious that this was an awful robbery. But if you give such bad scorecards, why would a foreign fighter want to come and fight for a guy? And Belfast Barrett is an up-and-coming talent and he did do well in the last few rounds, maybe the second and third from the end. The championship rounds could have swung it for him. But the scorecards made a mockery out of the entire event and Kiko Martinez could leave feeling very aggrieved. And a okay. bit like, you, you know, it's not good to see that happening in boxing. Because what would you get in the ring in a foreign country if you feel you're going to drop? Okay, um, Alex B, um, what, what, like... Can that like what 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 do you think should be done? Because we've seen it many many times where there's been absolutely disgraceful uh, decisions given in fights, whether it be UFC or boxing. Um, do you think there should be some sort of way to go back, look at the fight afterwards, and get independent judges to put the scorecards and you know kind of null and void one decision and give it to your boxer? Yeah, I think so. Because a lot of the times you'll watch replays and you'll see like a lot of things that you don't really see when it's going on in real time. So I, I do think that, uh, you know, especially in boxing and MMA, it's like when they throw punches, it's like it's hard to tell if they actually landed or not when it's like a, when it's not a replay or right? when it's not slowed down. So it's like when they make these decisions, sometimes it's like not really what was going on. And yeah, it's definitely that would prevent a lot of bad, bad calls. Yeah, and what about, and we, we discussed it before, especially on Capital Sports 2.0, about taking punishment. At what point um, should the referee take full responsibility and say, listen, you've taken too much? Um, well, it's kind of different in boxing and MMA because it's like it's, it's a bit harder to tell in boxing, but at the same time in MMA, it's like, yeah, it's very difficult in MMA. There's been a lot of... Yeah, I remember during the when Fight Island first started, there was a lot of just uh, there was some real severe beatings. That, exactly, Alex, you brought yeah, it up. You brought it up. Beatings. Yeah, and um, well, yeah, no, it's kind of it's kind of stopped. It's kind of stopped now. It's like there's really not that much of that going on anymore. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely a difficult kind of. I guess I guess it just varies from different case. It's, it's kind of it, yeah. There's a better tendency in MMA for a referee to actually, depending on the referee, of course, to jump in. In boxing, you could say that every three minutes there is an opportunity for everyone to take a breath and go, is it right to continue? Okay. And that's the problem. Yeah, no, look, guys, we're going to go to the break right now. No, you will be back with us, of course, uh, after the break uh, to discuss who is the GOAT, uh, not the meh kind, but the greatest of all time kind, um, in sports. But a quick question before we go. I'm going to start with you, Isol Cody. Um, do you know what kind of powder gymnasts put on their hands? This is from Mekan. Wrote in on plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three. You can shout in too, Alex B, if you know the answer. I'm going to go with some form of... Um, is it is it like literally the same as powerlifting powder? In which case, it's just like lifting powder. What is it? Quite chalk. Alex B. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. 
<laughs> it is it is magnesium carbonate it is uh, just simple chalk to what, keep what's really worrying is there I couldn't think of the word chalk and I was like <laughs> in my hand I was drawing on a magic blackboard <laughs> I used to when, when like a, a child doing gymnastics it was great for me like you, you can get your hands all chalky and then walk up and slap someone on the back you know <laughs> just I don't know childish things yeah you do it in Valentine's Day to let a girl you know you that, that uh, let her know that you liked her okay right we're going to go away to the break right now the guys are going to stick around they're going to speak about the greatest of all time with us we're going to go out with one that the well many many teams use this for their goal song Russian clubs listen to us this is a good 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 song for a pump up after a goal goes in not especially the Columbus Blue Jackets they use it Russian clubs listen to us this is good okay this is good. We're back on the break with the greatest of all time. However, we're going to go out with Loxley and The Whip. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.